You're listening to the Plano Pulse, a Plano Chamber podcast keeping you in tune with the heartbeat of the local business community. It's time for the Plano Pulse. We here at the Plano Chamber are working hard on our events now. We would love to partner with you as a sponsor in many other ways. We'd love to connect with you and get you more information on how you can partner with us on these great events. Find out more at planochamber.org or contact any Plano Chamber staff. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Plano Pulse. I'm Kelly Marcellus, President and CEO of the Plano Chamber. And today is an extra special edition of Plano Pulse. Typically, when you log in to listen, you're listening to myself and Emily Zug, our chair of the board for the Plano Chamber. Um, but today I'm just doing a little intro and I'm going to turn it over. So the The Plano Chamber is fortunate enough that we get to participate in the uh, Plano Mayor Summer Internship Program. And so this year, we have the pleasure of hosting two high school interns um, at the Chamber, and they've been busy doing all sorts of activities with us here, events and programs and getting to know our members. And so today, they are doing a little podcast takeover. So I am so thrilled to introduce both Catherine, or Kat as we call her, and Nate. Nathan, uh, and I'm going to let them take it away. So good luck, everybody. Hi, everyone. My name is Nathan Gong, and I'm a rising senior at Plano East. And my name is Kat Hahn, and I am a rising senior at Plano West. And today, Kat and I are hosting a discussion around the topic of failure and how adapting to various challenges um, has opened up new opportunities. And so to help us understand this very broad topic from several different perspectives, we have two special guests today. Our first is Emily Zug. Emily, will you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, So I am Emily Zug. I am with Veritex Community Bank. I work in our business development um, area and um, help run our women in business program as well that we have through the bank. I've been in banking for a little over 22 years now. I feel older each year as I say a higher number that goes on. Um, but uh, banking is, is in my blood and, and I love what I do. I, I love my company. I'm uh, married of almost 12 years and have two precious kiddos. Noah is six and Olivia will be four going on 14 in a few weeks. And uh, we are just loving life. Yeah. And our other guest today is Nielsen Hernandez. Uh, Nielsen, do you also want to introduce yourself to our viewers? Sure. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Nielsen Hernandez, and uh, I am the owner of Nielsen's Remodeling and Construction Company. We specialize in kitchen, bathroom remodels, as well as uh, patios, pergolas, and major home improvements. We are a design-build firm, meaning that if uh, you come to us, we would help you develop the project, put the uh, um, pair of designer with you to uh, guide you every step of the way to make sure we understand your needs and create what you have in your vision, what you are imagining, bring it to life, bring it to an, an actual product, whether that be a kitchen or a bathroom or any space in your house to make it uh, comfortable and uh, and uh, pleasing to the eye. So, well, I am uh, 35 years old and I am married. I don't have any kids. I have two dogs and what else? What else? I think that's it. So if anybody has any questions, I'll be I'll be happy to ask. I mean, I'll be happy to answer. Awesome. So um, thank you two again for coming today. And to start off our conversation, would you tell us what the biggest challenge or failure in your career was and how you 
overcame it. Emily, let's start with you. Sure. So when I saw this question, I had to really, really think back on what that was, because I've gone through, I've, I've made many, many mistakes um, in my career. Um, but I think my biggest challenge in my banking career would have been becoming a branch manager at a large bank at 21 years old. So I, I kind of grew up fast. Um, my employees were older than me. They were more mature. They knew more than me. They easily could have been my manager. And so that was difficult. That was a challenge for me. Um, but I was fortunate to have a, a leadership team that saw my potential um, at such a young age and took that gamble on me. It took quite a while for me to, I would say, become a good manager. <laughs> I think at that young of an age, I thought I had to be, I needed to be the cool one of the group and need, needed to be friends with them. And so that made it harder when it came time to reviews and constructive criticism. Um, I was more of a friend level than a manager level. And at that point, I didn't even really know what the difference was between manager versus leader. Um, so it, it took some time for me to, to finally figure that out. And I watched leaders around me within the organization that I was with, um, people outside of the bank that were that were in leadership roles. I listened. And so just over that time, and as I matured a little bit more and grew and, and learned more about the banking industry in itself, I think it naturally evolved into more of a leader role. But I, I learned that I had to really, I think one of the I think one of the biggest eye openers for me was as a manager learning how to manage each employee differently. Each employee has a different, they have different strengths, they have different weaknesses, they have different personalities, they have different motivators, and they learn differently. Well, I had one, one employee alone, um, he struggled um, to really grasp our banking products. So when a client would come into the bank, he wanted just to read right off of our brochure that we would typically hand out or just have to the side because he couldn't retain that that knowledge. He had been through our training programs, online programs, trying to help him. And finally, I sat down with him one day and he shared with me he was dyslexic and he had a hard time learning online and in classroom settings. And that was just kind of a natural thing that we did at the time um, for our training program. And so I sat down with him one-on-one. -on -one. We created a, his own chart, uh, made it more visual so that he could learn. And he got it like that and excelled. And so that was a, an eye-opener for me as a young manager to really get to know my employees, what helps them, how can I help them grow and reach their goals individually. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I think it definitely it seems really interesting to like manage so many people at such a young age, especially when like, you know, some of your workers might be like a lot older than you. But yeah, uh, thank you for sharing. Um, so Nielsen, what about you? What do you think is like a really big uh, challenge or maybe a failure perhaps in your career that you might have overcame? And how did that help you grow today? Man, we'll be here for like days if I'll tell you all my failures right now. So I, I don't think there's enough time in the day for me to tell you how many times I've tried something and failed. Uh, as a business owner, uh, and uh, I mean, one of the things I do, I, I'm a risk taker. I, uh, I, I sometimes I'm just like, oh, go down, head, head down, like they, people say. And I like to try things uh, at least once and sometimes even twice, because if I did it once and it didn't work, I like to go back and see, okay, why it didn't work? Was it marketing? Was it uh, sales training was it the motivation was it leadership i mean it could be many things why something fell right uh so i have to every time um 
we try something we if it works we try to record why it worked why why is it that we did good that it made it success and if it didn't okay why did we fail right so i can also relate to uh, what emily was saying because i started my business when i was 22 so there's by then there's people that has been my i mean the 20 the same 22 years old that i am there was people that have been 20 they had 20 year experience right and now i am their boss so it's not easy to be taking um orders or like you know someone like this way younger than you a lot of people have a hard time adapting to that and that's i mean you have to overcome that because there's a certain uh, degree of respect, number one, that you have to earn, but you also have to show those people the reason why you need to be respected, right? I wasn't put in this position because I am pretty or because I am this or because I am that. I was put in this position because I have the uh, maybe the knowledge or I have the attitude because you can be like over the years, I've, ha- I've hired people uh, for different roles, different positions. And sometimes, you know, young people don't understand that Okay, you might be better than your boss at something, but you lack the skill or the experience that your boss has when it comes when a problem arises, right? Like maybe you are better at closing deals, maybe you are better at talking with people, but what about the overall you the overall role or the overall commitment or process? Are you good at everything else or just at one or two things? You have to have a little bit of everything, right? And uh, uh, it's, it's, it's funny that I, w- I was actually watching a little TikTok uh, yesterday or so, and I saw this guy uh, talking about the Navy SEALs and how uh, there is a high, high performance, low trust. Like they literally measure that, right? And they rather have someone with a high trust, medium performance as a, as a leader than a high performance, low trust. Why is that? Because a high performer is going to look at everybody like, I mean, I'm doing my part. You're not doing your part. Like, I'm going to leave you behind, right? And and that's not a, in a group, in a team or a company. Um, anytime you're working with other people, you might be better at, at something than some other people. But there's going to be somebody in the team that's better at maybe accounting, maybe relationships, right? And it all complements each other. But sometimes... It's a little hard to tell people that, to translate that to people. And that has been one of the challenges that as a leader um, is just a little bit of uh, communication uh, issue that you have. You know, how can you tell people, how can you make them be all working towards the same goal without looking or feeling like, well, I'm better than him at this or I'm better than she is with that. You know what I mean? It's just, it's all about good communication, good leadership. When you're a good leader, you can take it, you know, you can take any company, any organization to the top. If you don't have good leaders, then yeah, there's going to be a real struggle. So uh, definitely that, uh, that has been one of the, uh, the challenges dealing, learning how to deal with the different behaviors of people. That is something that if people if someone has that ability for because for some people they're just natural like that, just relationships and, and, and they're a good leader, everybody follows them. That's good. That's a blessing, right? But for some of us that are not as good, we have to learn it. And we have to learn it by making mistakes and um, sometimes disappointing people, sometimes even hurting feelings, because the right word sometimes is not easy to put them to make uh to 
basically team up and make everybody work on the same team. Yeah, absolutely. So um, now that we've kind of heard about both of your experiences with like challenges and failures, we kind of wanted to examine more of how other people maybe around you reacted to how you actually deal with those challenges. So Nielsen, I'll start with you for this question. Um, but how do you think your close friends and family or maybe just other trusted people in your circle kind of reacted to your experiences with these uh, issues, right? So you kind of mentioned about like uh, dealing with different kinds of people or like this, like this kind of like uh, issue around failing. Like how do you think the people around you reacted to this? See, I don't know if you heard the, uh, uh, you probably been watching, you know, some other podcast or people, business people or, or just leaders. Um, when you in a high position where you have to make decisions, you lose a lot of friends because you, you, you lose a lot of, uh, uh, you know, when you're a politician or when you run in a company or when you run in a team, because making those decisions, not everybody's going to agree with that. And, and, and some people are going to think you're crazy. Some people are going to think, oh, you should do it. Everybody's going to have a different opinion on what you should be doing. Right. And I, as a, um, I like to hear everybody. I like to hear my what my mom has to say. I like to hear what my uh, wife has to say. I like to hear everybody's opinion. That doesn't mean I'm going to do what they want. That just means I want to see different perspectives, how they see that that things are that, that things could be better for everybody, right? I, I, I have all my employees. We have an open door policy. If they have any questions, any issues, they can come talk to me. And that's how I learn how to improve things around me. Now, there's one rule for this open door policy. If you're gonna ha- if you're gonna come to my office with a complaint, you have to have a few solutions on how to fix that. Because if you just come with a complaint, you're just whining. You you want somebody else to give you the answer, and that's not how we work in here. We take everybody's input, but we want to know how can we solve it. So that way, it gives us an idea, and and it starts to basically everybody spinning everybody's wheels to see how can we fix this issue? How can we fix the situation? So anytime we have an issue within the company or, you know, family-wise or whatever, I like to hear, okay, there's a problem. Everybody has problems. Any suggestions on how we can get over this problem? How this, how can we avoid this from uh, happening anymore? And that is the way that we have been overcoming those issues by just listening to what people have to say. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, it's really valuable to really have different opinions that you can hear from, especially those that you trust and you're close to. So, Emily, what about you? How did your friends and family kind of react to your experiences when you were struggling or you were taking risks and that kind of thing? So I've always had a very, very strong support system for my husband and my my parents, Um, my kiddos, even though they don't realize it. they're an inspiration to me. And so when I look at like the stigma around failure, to me, the stigma, the stigma of failure can really drown you if you let it. I've learned that if you embrace that stigma, it will, you'll never be able to move forward. It just pulls you backwards. Um, and and it, I allowed that to happen several times over the years in my career and my personal life. And so I always try to look at them um, as mistakes rather than failures. Um, because you can always learn from your mistakes. You can always grow upon them. Um, and even if you make them several times, which I have done that, I've made the same mistakes multiple times. Sometimes it just takes that to really get it. And, you know, one of the things that I went through back in 2012, I went through a, a group layoff. It was a very, very humbling experience. And you, you, I'm very good. I get in my own head. 
Um, and my close mentors will tell me, get out of your own head, Emily. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm asking myself, am I not good enough? Why, why me? What did I do wrong? You know, and, and um, it really, I allowed that stigma of failure at the time I felt it was a failure. I don't think that anymore now, but I allowed that to send me to, to you know, a short-term depression and feeling sorry for myself. And, and, you know, when you get into that mode, it's hard to get out and pick yourself up. And I had my family support, my, my husband pushing me through. And fortunately it was just a few weeks before I found another job. Um, but you know, that, that can stick with you if you let it. And so, you know, just having my family there to support and my, my friends to support, um, mentors to support, you know, it's always great to find mentors and even advocates that will advocate for you. Um, I'm fortunate to have found so many of them through the Plano Chamber. A lot of these members um, have become mentors for me. Some are in the banking industry and some are not. And, uh, you know, we lean on each other. We're there. We're here all to, to support each other. And I think that is what, you know, has really helped me over the years, just move from one challenge to the other and, and to, to get through a hurdle, um, you know, and little did I know when I got laid off, it was just, that was just a stepping stone for me. It was a, it was a small hurdle at the time. It seemed huge, but it was, ended up being a small hurdle and it ended up being an answered prayer um, in the long run. So, yeah. So um, once you experience all of that, I'm sure you guys have learned a lot from those, but what were the most valuable takeaways from those experiences and what would you change if you could go back in time? Emily, could we start with you? Sure. So I'm going to get a little vulnerable here, um, a little bit personal. So being in banking for 22 years, I'm still experiencing growths and setbacks and growths and setbacks. We always will. And that's what we need. And in order to grow, we have to have those setbacks. Um, so during the pandemic, um, my team, my my business development group um, at Veritex Bank, we read the Gallup's Clifton Strengths 2.0 um, book and took the test. And if anyone has never done that, I highly recommend it. Um, it was an eye opener for me. Um, it'll give you a report when you take the test, um, give you your top five strengths, and you can pay for an even more in-depth report. But I have to say it was pretty accurate. Um, but I learned a lot about myself from that test. Some things didn't surprise me. Um, a lot of things did surprise me. So I actually think that a, some of my takeaways just came recently in the last couple of years in this long, long run. Um, I've learned a lot about myself through um, through these strengths. And so my, my top strengths in order were achiever, positivity, responsibility, woo. I had to ask, really read and see what woo meant um, and belief. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, I can get into my head often beating myself down. I'm not good enough. So someone else is better than me. I'm questioning myself. Um, but this really helped shed the light on myself um, and help me change my attitude uh, about my own self. So one, one of the things that it, they talk about in the book is that how we should focus on improving our, our strengths versus focusing on our improving our um, uh, weaknesses. And that was something new. I've always thought I need to work on my weaknesses. I need to work on this. But really, our strengths are what have brought us to where we are now, not our weaknesses. And so it only makes sense if we want to keep going forward keep moving those strengths forward, keep improving your skills, those things that you're good at. Don't allow those, those weaknesses to pull you backwards. Um, so that is 
truly helped me in the last couple of years um, through the bank, through my role in the chamber, um, through other other um, uh, committees that I help serve on, and, and even, even how I apply it at home with my family. Um, and so really, I wouldn't change anything if I had to go back. So this is where I'm going to get a little bit personal. So <clears throat> I had to grow up very quickly. I found myself at 19 in a relationship, an abusive relationship, married nine months later because I was afraid of what he would do to me if I didn't marry him. Six years, the, the next six years were very, very scary for me. I was not the person I am today. I had zero self-esteem. I was scared every single day, was able to put on a facade, you know, but I was, the two things that got me through that were my career at the bank and my faith. And I pushed through some nights. I'd try and stay as long as I could at the bank just so I couldn't go home, didn't have to go home, you know, uh, but I was able to overcome that. And, and year five, my strength started, my confidence started building up a little bit. By the end of year six, I was I was able to get out of the situation um, and get and and be safe, but also work on myself. And you know, coming back to these top strengths, I think these strengths have been pulled from my experiences in life. And so, with that, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm I'm so blessed right now with the most amazing amazing husband and children, and I work for an amazing company. You know the opportunity to be the chair of the board for the Plano Chamber. And uh, it's just, it's just a blessing. And I don't think I'm a true believer in if um, that everything happens for a reason. And so if I had gone back and changed it, I might not be where I am now. I might not be who I am now. And so I think that has really made um, a, a huge difference on my life. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing such a personal story. I think um, that was really uh, inspirational. So yeah, now uh, we'll go on to Nielsen. Um, so what were some of the biggest takeaways that you've learned from your journey with failure and experimenting different things? And maybe if you could go back in time, is there anything that you'd want to change in your particular journey? Um, man, there is, I, I typically don't regret stuff. I, um, I like, cause like Emily say, I mean, I think everything happens for a reason and, and, and we learn, um, I mean, I try to find the good in everything I do or everything that happens around my life. Nothing has happened like, you know, like a serious illness or something serious that I'm like, man, I wish everyone would have never done that. Right. But most everything has been material, material loss uh, or just an experience one way or another. But I always try to get the best out of it. And 20. So I started. I registered the businesses in my remodeling businesses in, in business in 2008 and I didn't have any business experience. I didn't have any. So I just kept going, going, going at it. Uh, and you know, just try to figure, I guess, reinvent the wheel by myself. One of the things that, well, fast forward to 2019, 2019 um, I was always running into challenges with uh, dealing with people, dealing with, I mean, most businesses are seasonal and the remodeling business is one of them. Uh, there's uh, days and months where like we're super, super busy. And then there's days where like it slows down uh, depending on several factors. It could be the weather. It could be uh, summer. It could be the economy. It could be many things, right? So every year was the same thing, and I got tired of it. So I thought, you know what? What can I do? Um, I started reading books. I started doing a bunch of stuff to improve myself. Uh, and But I never thought I could afford a coach, a business coach. So I always thought, oh, how is someone going to come 
fucking tell me about my business uh, if they don't even know. Like, they, who knows the business better than I do, right? Like, it's my business. It's my baby. I know this better than everybody else, right? So that's what I thought. And in 2019, I decided to open a restaurant, which was a really, really bad idea. Because we opened it in 2019, little, I didn't know anything about restaurants, but I thought, okay, I, I didn't know anything about remodels and here I am, right? So maybe we'll, I'll run the same luck with the restaurant. And for, you know, after losing out over a quarter million dollars, because I had a couple of partners after losing that, because we were, it was just a money pit. Every month we have to pay money out of our pocket for the first year. And then in 2020, COVID shut us down. So we couldn't keep up with the business because we didn't have funds. We didn't have the capital. And obviously, it was really hard to find investors for a restaurant, which it was an industry that was not booming during the pandemic, right? So it was was really bad. So I I, I started – both of my business started suffering from the restaurant. So now the remodeling business was also crumbling because of that. And if – I mean, like I say, I learned a lot from from making a mistake. But one of the main things is that at that point, I was like, you know what? Maybe I do need a business coach to come and tell me how to run things. And maybe uh, uh, maybe I should change a couple of things that I am not seeing my, in myself. Maybe I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I'm a good guy. I work hard. So why is this happening to me? And maybe I wasn't as good as I thought, right? Maybe I wasn't treating people or I wasn't doing the homework that I should have been doing. So at that point, I hired a uh, um, a business coach that two things I would have changed if I, if I could start all over again. One is um, I would have had any type of uh, business degree so that I could learn how business operates at a major scale. That I would have done if I would have known what I know now when I was y'all's age, I would I would definitely in, enroll into some type of business class uh, because I like business. I like uh, uh, you know negotiating with people. I like uh, um, creating deals and, and and creating win-win situations. I, I love that. I love when I can provide for people uh, a solution. So that would have been my my the number one thing that I would have changed: going to school, learn some business degree, some type of business. And the number two, I would have started on coaching 10 years ago. As soon as I could afford it, I would have started uh, getting a coach, a business coach. Uh, Other than that, no, everything else, uh, uh, I mean, I've learned from my mistakes. And I am happy that uh, here we are after, you know, all this many years. Because they say that, uh, I believe, I don't know this exact statistic, but I believe more than 80% of businesses that open every year go out of business in the first two years. So, you know, here we are a little bit over 12 years later and here we still, we're still here. So, I mean, we must be doing something good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got to learn from your experience and became who you are today. And thank you so much for the both of you to, for coming and sharing your experiences with us. There were certainly a lot of valuable takeaways and inspiring components of your story. And I think that hearing your experiences will prove to people that failure and facing these challenges is normal and extremely valuable. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. Appreciate you uh, thinking of me and thinking of us. Um, definitely. Thank you so much for having us. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for the invitation. We really appreciate uh, uh, you guys uh, giving us the opportunity to speak uh, a little bit about ourselves and uh, 
uh, hopefully we provide some value for uh, the people who is going to listen to us. Well, thank you both so much, Kat, Nathan. You did a great job. This has been a very um, interesting uh, and educational session for us. And we really appreciate you taking the lead and doing a little podcast takeover. So to all our listeners, thank you so much for tuning into Plano Pulse. Please let us know what you think, share with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to tune in for our next episode. Hey, everyone. Kelly Marcellus here, your president and CEO of the Plano Chamber. Are you looking to kickstart your Friday morning with dozens of local business owners and professionals? Set your alarm and join us for our weekly business interchange meetings for networking worth waking up early for. Meetings are held at 7.30 a.m. every Friday morning. Join us and share your 30-second commercial promoting your business and be the first to hear what's going on with other local businesses. Visit planochamber.org to learn more and we'll see you next Friday.